Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, 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 everyone. Uh, This is Dr. Nikki Tobias. This is my maiden solo voyage on Life Coach Radio Network. So thank you for joining me or listening in later. Uh, I'm going to use this as my maiden voyage to introduce you to me, um, provide you some testimonials about some coaching that I've done, uh, talk a little bit about my educational background and my work experience, Um, And then if we have time, um, we'll talk about the difference between coaching, counseling, and consulting, and maybe some of the books I'm reading now and um, some of my favorite books of all time, actually. So uh, we'll see what we have time to get through today. I do want to let you know you are welcome to call in. I would love that. The call-in phone number is 646. 716-9393. And you can listen in that way or press 1 and you can get in the queue so that I know you'd like to chat um, and we can get you on. We can um, talk. You can ask some questions. That'll make it more fun, I think, for sure, if anybody calls in. So... um, Again, we're going to do some personal introductions, maybe some things that I hear myself saying an awful lot, perhaps a book list, and I just hope you'll continue to listen and join me on this journey on the radio. Again, the call-in number is 646-716-9397. Press 1 to get in the queue. Also, in terms of how to reach me, um, you can find me on Grounded Vision Coaching on Facebook. Just search Grounded Vision Coaching. My cover page uh, or cover photo is um, of my face. It's a headshot with platinum blonde hair. I will say uh, my hair is not so blonde at this moment. That's sort of part of what people come to know about me. My hair changes a lot. Um, and you can also email me at Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. Again, Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. So I am a life coach, um, and I'm also a business coaching consultant. I do a fair amount of public speaking. I really enjoy motivational speaking. I am the kind of person that likes to get real with people. Uh, One of the things I've come to believe is that there's a lot of people that find themselves in life with um, weeds, so to speak. Uh, Some weed is growing and we just keep cutting the weed off, sort of like mowing the lawn. The problem with that, though, is that The weed always comes back. It doesn't actually solve the problem. It just manages a symptom, frankly. And so what I hope to do in coaching and consulting is to be able to root out that weed so that once that struggle is handled, hopefully you don't ever have to face it again. Or you have some new tools in your toolbox, some new coping mechanisms, some new skills to be able to handle similar situations differently into the future. So um, I'm very direct. I'm going to get real and honest with you. But I'm also going to be a good partner for the journey. I want to celebrate your accomplishments with you. Um, I want to empathize and be there for the struggles. 
I want us to feel like partners in your journey, whatever whatever that journey is for you, whether it's business or personal, um, personal or professional. And so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, I hope you reach out and get in touch and, and we can see if we can work together. In terms of my education, it's been a, a really interesting journey. Um, all through high school, I really enjoyed learning, and I was pretty good at math and science. And so I went to a very small regional public institution in Pennsylvania, North Central Pennsylvania, Mansfield University. Loved it there. Love, love, loved it there. Uh, what's true about Mansfield University is that it absolutely is uphill both ways. <laughs> Mansfield is in the mountains. Um, very small public school, but I, I absolutely loved it there, and I was undeclared for two years because I just liked everything, and I didn't want to have to choose what I was going to do right away. And um, gosh, if I had advice for parents or folks going to college, I would say try to be undeclared for for a little while and and dabble, um, because man, best laid plans, right? We all think we know where we're going with our lives and our careers and our futures and our majors and the things we want to study and um, I'm glad for the people that that works for, but um, I know that my life has taken a journey that I wouldn't have been able to foresee, and so I'm, I'm thankful for the chance to have general education classes and to be undeclared for a while. But two years in, I was um, in chemistry classes, and I was tutoring some folks in chemistry and decided that I would get a Bachelor of Science in Education degree in chemistry and general science education. And then while I was in college, I was really, really involved in an awful lot of things and got to serve on the Council of Trustees as a student trustee uh, for four years while I was there. And that was an amazing opportunity to learn about how colleges work and, and uh, how they operate and um, <laughs> even to really come to a realization that people work on college campuses and how much fun that would be. There's so many things that happen on college campuses from concerts to sporting events to lectures and and all sorts of other things. It's hard to work on a college campus and not feel youthful and involved and engaged, uh, enlightened, and and to get a lot of intellectual stimulation. And so, as I said, while I was there, I really realized that people like work in colleges, and that could be a pretty cool gig. And so uh, throughout my college experience, um, I worked at Lowe's, and I loved it there. I started as a cashier, worked up through management, and then finished my time at Lowe's working in loss prevention, which I would not have imagined. Um, but I care a lot personally about fairness and equity. And um, ironically, when I was working in loss prevention, I was uh, pursuing my master's degree in counseling and college student personnel, and I was taking a drug and alcohol class. And, you know, most of the folks that I ever apprehended or that got arrested for shoplifting um, had some sort of addiction issue. And so uh, that was a really interesting parallel situation to be able to talk with them about their addiction and, and their um, perception that they needed to steal and they were um, either reselling the items or returning them for merchandise cards to sell. And, um, you know, I met some really interesting people that way and I learned a lot about their life stories and the struggle that there is with addiction and with sobriety and um, with making decisions that you probably wouldn't make if if you weren't feeling like you had the need for uh, a coping mechanism in your life. And uh, I just really loved Lowe's. I transferred back and forth from my hometown to the towns that I was um, in college, and uh, they were wonderful to work with as a young person. And so, as I said, I got a master of science degree in counseling and college student personnel. And even that was a, a really interesting transition because for those of you uh, math or science folks uh, listening, when I got a chemistry degree, my answer was right or wrong to four decimal places, and nobody cared how you felt about it. Uh, it was very, very clear cut. I was in a very small program, one of the only women in the program, and loved the faculty, loved the challenge of, of 
chemistry classes and all the math and, and loved the folks that I went to undergraduate with. But it was very, very uh, black and white. It was, you had the right answer or you didn't, and that was it. And then I went and took a year off, worked at Lowe's full-time. Before I went back and got my master's degree, I got my master's degree at Shippensburg University, a slightly larger institution than Mansfield, but in central Pennsylvania, also public. And I would sit with uh, one of my faculty members, uh, Dr. Jan Arminio, and we would have these long, in-depth conversations for 45 minutes or an hour or even up to three hours about student development theory and how counseling works in student affairs and all these really, really interesting things. And at the end, I would raise my hand and say, so Dr. Arminio, what's the answer? And she would chuckle at me and say, oh, Nikki, that whole conversation was the answer. And it took a while for me to learn to live in the gray from growing up in such a black and white world of chemistry. And also because when you're younger, that's where your development is. You think about things as this or that, as all or nothing, um, a sort of take it or leave it mentality. And then as you age and your brain develops further, you're able to see these nuances. You're able to see issues and situations from different perspectives through different lenses. And um, man, that was a huge adjustment for me. I, re I remember that being a real struggle. Um, but now I'm really thankful for all that because I do feel like I have the best of both worlds. Um, so I finished with my counseling and, and college student personnel degree and was hired pretty quickly into an interim position as a director of residence life at a very small private women's institution. Um, I was the only person in the department, so I was in charge of uh, recruiting, hiring, training, supervising um, the resident assistants at that college campus, and then left there to be an assistant director of residence life at a slightly smaller, very private institution where I had somewhere between 80 and 85 resident assistants. And so that meant that I was uh, recruiting, hiring, training, supervising, and unfortunately occasionally firing um, somewhere between 80 and 85, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds. I lived in a freshman residence hall with my husband and a dog and, and uh, hundreds of 18-year-old freshmen learning what independence was about and how to make choices and um, and live in residence halls. And, and for those of you that either haven't gone to college or don't know what that work is like, it's it's a lot of on-call responsibility. It's management for um, <laughs> people that pull the fire alarm at 2 in the morning. And, and in Pennsylvania, 2 in the morning often meant that it was pretty cold and sometimes raining, sleeting, snowing. Um, so we did that. I managed a lot of... Um, drug and alcohol overdose situations, sexual assault, um, suicidal students, lots and lots of pranks, lots of burnt popcorn, <laughs> just about anything that happens in a college campus residence life uh, has the opportunity and the responsibility to help to manage and to turn into learning moments for these young people and hopefully help them be uh, better citizens for the rest of their journey in college and beyond. And so I always knew that I wanted to get a PhD. I've always been a learner. Um, and I was thinking at that point that I really wanted to be a college president. And uh, that was around the time that lots of things about higher education were really changing. Um, the prior college presidents had many of them been faculty members and and had arisen, had risen through the ranks as faculty and department heads, um, maybe even, you know, uh, provosts, things like that. And then they became college presidents. And, and throughout my time in college, a lot of that changed. And college presidents can be from just about anywhere now. They have been heads of nonprofit agencies or major fundraisers or politicians or um, any number of other things that would lead them to be leaders of 
the business of higher education. And certainly the business of higher education has changed through athletics and Greek affairs and trying to do more fundraising than institutions have ever done before as they lose more and more state and federal funding. The look of a college student has changed pretty dramatically over the last several decades. And so while I knew I wanted a PhD and believed I wanted to be a college president, I wasn't entirely sure how that was going to look. And I moved from Pennsylvania to Georgia and pursued a PhD, as I said, in College Student Affairs Administration with a concentration in higher education. And the UGA programs are, are absolutely some of the best in the country. And I got to learn about student affairs and student identity, about budget and finance and state policy and all kinds of other things. And while I was in my PhD program, I started volunteering for the Rape Crisis Center and then got involved with the local domestic violence program and shelter and served on the board there and became the vice chair, hired and trained a, an executive director. And then she ended up to leave and I was offered the interim and then um, applied and was chosen as the permanent executive director of that domestic violence program and shelter. And I loved that job. Uh, it was very, very difficult emotionally. It's difficult to see what people go through. The women and the children and the men that I served, that our agency served, we had a three-county area, about a three-quarter of a million dollar budget, state and federal grants, fundraising events, donors, um, and then always, you know, trying to help people understand why victims go back to their abuser. What is the cycle of violence? How does that work? What happens to the abuser in court? What are the, some of the things they do to retaliate against the survivor when the survivor leaves and potentially takes the children? And so I had 15-person staff, a shelter with 15 beds. We had a transitional housing program of four apartments and two houses, along with a 10,000-square-foot thrift store. And we're fundraising and, and raising as much money and as many goods as we can, as we could at the time. I was presenting to Rotaries and Kiwanis Clubs and chamber events, as many things as I could get to to help people understand the problem that we have here in the state of Georgia. I'm not sure that I'll remember all the statistics exactly, but nationally, one in three teenagers, one in four women, and one in six men will find themselves in a domestic violence relationship. Those numbers are absolutely staggering. And Georgia is, this is where I may mix this up, but I believe the sixth highest rated state for reported incidents of teen dating violence, and the ninth highest rated state for women killed at the hands of their male abuser. So we certainly have a problem here in the South. We have a problem nationally. There's most definitely a problem internationally with domestic violence. And it was certainly an eye-opener for sure. And my biggest struggle was we could do great, great work within the shelter with the clients. And then they would face a lot of systems outside of the shelter or the agency that were broken. Uh, I would argue a lot of things about the healthcare system are broken. Things about the legal system are broken. Things about the Department of Family and Children's Services are broken. There are a lot of parts of life that are much more difficult when you don't have a permanent address, when you're homeless, when you may never have been able to work when you may not have been allowed to go to the doctor, when you have been sexually assaulted and have several children that you're trying to be able to pay for. There was a lot hard about that job. And I was on call for that whole time and, and getting a lot of calls in the middle of the night about crisis situations and um, 
abusers coming to the shelter and other things, other things that were happening. And I was experiencing a lot of medical issues at that point because of the stress and how much I was working and just decided that I, I couldn't live like that anymore. And I had been coaching folks for a really long time in college campuses and at the shelter and decided that I, I was ready to be an entrepreneur. I was ready to work really hard for myself instead of lots of other people. And so I pursued certification in life and career coaching and recently have become licensed as a desire map facilitator. For those of you that don't know, check out Desire Mapping with Danielle Laporte. It's pretty exciting stuff. I also love and take Advocare supplements. I truly believe that has helped my life, and, and I'm a distributor for Advocare at this point. And my work with life and business coaching and consulting allows me the chance to work with high achievers who want more from their lives, however they define more. So for those of you that don't know, most coaching certification programs require some amount of complimentary coaching. I had to complete 17 hours. I believe I've done over 100 at this point. And so I wanted to share with you some of the testimonials I've gotten from clients, in part because they speak to who I am as a coach and our work together, but also in part because it helps you understand the types of things that people have pursued coaching about. Uh, I am going to read to you, so I apologize for that, but, you know, life happens. I don't have a better way to do it. The first testimonial says, quote, in just four short months of working with Nikki, I am amazed at the changes that have happened in my life. I increased my satisfaction in my career with Nikki's help to clarify and pursue things that would make my current job more rewarding to me. My relationships with my spouse and my friends have improved because I learned to ask for what I needed, to find a balance, and to work as a better team member with more mutual trust. My physical health and well-being significantly improved more than I could have ever imagined as Nikki encouraged me to seek out products and introduced me to ideas that would be aligned with my interest in holistic health. Finally, my organization of paperwork and my hope to simplify the material things in my life changed dramatically as we worked together to set goals with deadlines and address the underlying reasons why these had been a struggle in the first place, like perfectionism and unknowingly living outside of my aspired values. The best part is that this all happened in and stayed consistent for four months and going strong. Four months is such a small blip in time in the grand scheme of life. I can only imagine the process I can make in the next four months, four years or more. If you want a more fulfilling life with better self-understanding, and not only helps you today, but also paves the road for a better future, then you need to take the opportunity and work with Nikki. Gosh, I love that. It's so humbling. There's a few other things. Another person said, my experiences with Nikki have always been helpful, but not always comfortable. When a person is pushed to the point where they don't think they can produce any more than they have, and then you push them further, then you have created a better person. That is the experience that I have been through with Nikki's coaching. I received new insight about my business and how to run it. While discovering how to run my business, I've received valuable tools to balance this business with my personal life. Through her coaching, I realized that how I conduct my business and other affairs with affect my true goal in life, which is to be with my family more and experience life with them. When asked to describe my coaching style, he said aggressive, insightful, and truthful with the expectation of result. Nikki does not like to fail. She will keep trying until she finds something that will work for you. That makes me chuckle only because it's so true. <laughs> I don't like to fail. When asked what would you tell someone who's contemplating coaching with Nikki, he said, do not get with Nikki if you're not passionate about getting results in the area that you are looking to be coached in. Life coaching is not an occupation for Nikki. It is Nikki. She is giving of herself and she expects the same from you. Besides, if you want to be the best, you if you want to be the best you, then it makes no sense to not give your best. Invest in yourself. I love that. I love that. So humbling. 
When someone else was asked what they've achieved during coaching, they said, I've made many strides in applying to graduate school so I can enroll in the fall semester. I worked on improving my own business so I can earn extra income for myself and family as we work towards financial freedom. I've developed a sense of caring for my own well-being and focusing on things that make myself better, happier, and healthier. I've learned how to declutter, de-stress, and reward myself for completing certain tasks. She described my style as very honest and approachable. She makes you think, and she wants you to feel comfortable with the steps you choose to achieve your goals. She never makes you feel insuperior because she works with you and not against you. She lets you take control of what you want to accomplish, celebrates your successes with you, and encourages you every step of the way. When asked, uh, one of the questions I posed to my clients, I said, Nikki aims to challenge clients to exceed their goals while supporting them throughout the journey. Did you experience this while being coached? This client said, yes. A great example of this for me is I wanted to work on my health and wellness. Before I knew it, I had a playlist made, was completing tasks to keep myself motivated to earn an iTunes gift card, made a doctor's appointment to have a physical, started researching some nutrition programs, and worked on fitting in time to start going to the gym. What seemed daunting came together so quickly and expanded as my coaching progressed. Another client described my coaching style as being respectful of time, committed to helping clarify and then achieve goals set during the initial conversation. This client said that I'm not afraid to ask the difficult questions that I mirror important responses, making sure that I fully understand what has been communicated. This client said that I'm friendly, approachable, and professional. This particular client uh, is a leader for Pampered Chef, and uh, she helped me get connected to speak to two different Pampered Chef teams. And she also was involved with the domestic violence program and shelter that I was running, and so she's seen me in several public speaking situations. She said that Nikki has the ability to engage a crowd. She has an excellent speaking voice. She's natural and comfortable. She's relatable. I've experienced two of Nikki's speaking engagements. On both occasions, Nikki had the audience fully engaged, hands raised to answer questions, people laughing, shaking their heads in agreement, and generally feeling quite comfortable to do whatever Nikki was asking for them from them. Just two more clients and then I'll be done with this part. Another client said, when I started life coaching with Nikki, I was hoping to meet a few organizational and prioritization goals by having someone keep me accountable and by having someone help me brainstorm solutions. What I got was so much more. She inspired me to reach my fullest potential by helping me to increase my self-confidence and to see possibilities for myself that I wouldn't have ever seen on my own. Also, I found out what was keeping me from being organized in the first place so that I could really make lasting changes. She made me really think, and I looked forward to each session with eagerness. Her intuition is on point. She's a wonderful mix of empathy, support, and challenge. If you're questioning if you can afford this service or if you'll get what you need out of it, you'll quickly see that you can't afford not to. And the last client said, Nikki is a talented and enthusiastic life coach. Her style is both empathetic and pragmatic, and there is no doubt Nikki believes in her client's ability to create the change they want. She is honest and direct in her feedback, providing support to move beyond fears and limiting thoughts. Smart and spirited with a laser-like focus, Nikki has a way of getting to the core of an issue with compassion and humor. Gosh, it's so neat to read all those things and to share them with you, not because they were pretty great, <laughs> but because I'm so humbled and appreciative of the opportunity to be on those journeys with those people, to get to mirror for them their achievements, to celebrate with them, and to witness the struggle as well as a change. Just lights me up. I absolutely love it. I figured though you might want to know a little bit about me personally. I am the mom of three rescue dogs, Cole, Cash, and Lucy. And uh, who knows, you may hear them sometimes from time to time. Everybody's asleep right now. 
Uh, Cole and Cash are Yorkies. Lucy is a Jacoby, a Jack Russell Beagle mix. And um, in the last few weeks, I've wondered if Lucy is actually a bird, or I'm sorry, a cat, because she has brought me gifts of a turtle and a bird into the house <laughs> in the last few days. So uh, they make me laugh and uh, provide me stability and responsibility every day. I love that. In terms of describing myself, I am absolutely a learner. I love to read. I'm usually reading several different books at one time. I'm a consumer of information. For those of you that know anything about the Myers-Briggs, uh, I fluctuate between an ENTJ and an EFTJ. An ENTJ is described as a field marshal, life natural leader. I truly believe in affirmations and the law of attraction. What you spend your time, energy, and attention on expands. I'm a hard worker. I like to have fun. I love intellectual stimulation and thought-provoking conversations. I'm a firm believer in the five love languages and have come to love the languages of appreciation in the workplace. My language of appreciation in the workplace is affirmation words of affirmation. And so I love greeting cards, sending them and receiving them. And when I was typing up my notes, I remembered my best friend, Crystal, who uh, has been my best friend since seventh grade, so for a really long time. And she would always say how much better I was at sending cards and remembering holidays and celebrating people than she was. And she felt really guilty about that. And so one year for Christmas, she gave me a journal that had cards for every holiday and birthday for the entire year in the journal and uh, written out to me. And so um, I just love that gift because she was really trying to honor me and trying to uh, provide me the friendship and the words of affirmation I needed in, in a way that she was able to do that. So I still have that journal and I, I love it. It's so much fun. If you're a person in the strengths quest, I'll tell you my top five strengths. I'm a learner, analytical, responsibility, significance, and a relator. All of those things make a lot of sense with coaching and administration. If you're a DISC person, I'm a very high D, and I can tell you what that means. I've printed a quick uh, printout here. It says, her desire for results is readily apparent to the people whom with whom she works. She's deadline conscious and goal-oriented. Nikki embraces visions not always seen by others. She, Nikki's creative mind allows her to see the big picture. Many people see her as a self-starter dedicated to achieving results. She prefers an environment with variety and change. She is at her best when many projects are underway at once. She's a self-starter who likes new projects and is most comfortable when involved with a wide scope of activities. Nikki needs to learn to relax and pace herself. Yes, it actually says that, and the people that know me know that's true. Nikki will work long hours until a tough problem is solved. After it is solved, Nikki may become bored with any routine work that follows. That's true. I have to own that. I get tired in a, a, a job or position when I've put out all the fires and solved all the problems. She has the ability to make high-risk decisions. She has the unique ability of tackling tough problems and following them through to a satisfactory conclusion. She is a good problem solver and troubleshooter, always seeking new ways to solve old problems. So that's kind of interesting and fun. Clearly, I like assessments, and those are more words, so that's all good. I would also say, personally, I finally broke down and bought myself a pair of Chacos. I don't think you can live in Athens, Georgia without a pair of Chacos. They're my new favorite shoes. I would also uh, admit that I should probably in, be in some sort of addiction group for my love of watching QVC. <laughs> that is uh, something that I enjoy doing. And, and, um, and, man, they have all that down to a science. They can, they can sell some, some things there. So it's neat to watch those folks in action. I'm also a lover of seafood, which is much harder to come by in Georgia than it was in central Pennsylvania, which is always intriguing to me. Um, but those are a few things about my, me personally. Folks have often asked, what's the difference between coaching, consulting, and counseling? I just have a couple notes here, but I hope this will help. Counseling is really focused on the past and the present, on your feelings and your thoughts, and on improving your mental health. 
as someone with a counseling degree, I firmly believe in counseling. It's part of what I invest in, in terms of my wellness, my mental health, and just the ability to process some of the things that I'm thinking and feeling and, and where those thoughts and feelings are coming from, what's holding me back. So, as I said, I'm a firm believer in counseling. Consulting is when you pursue an expert for their advice, knowledge, or guidance. You're seeking answers and solutions. Typically with business consulting, it might be about learning to manage a budget better, organizing fundraising, managing staff, recruiting staff, training staff. You're hiring someone who's been there before, who has done something well to help look at your business with some fresh eyes and a new perspective and, and make some suggestions to your work. Coaching is about improving your personal or professional performance, helps you get clear on your life satisfaction, helps to create goals and clarify those goals, provides some accountability, helps you focus on the present and the future, and it's a place where the client comes up with their own ideas and solutions. So that's some of the difference in those three things. I would argue that I'm sure I do some of all of them in, in my coaching sessions. I'd work hard to try to meet clients where they are. Any of those things, coaching, consulting, or counseling, can happen face-to-face -face via phone, Skype, FaceTime. They can be short-term or long-term. You can pay by the hour. You can get packages. Lots and lots and lots of options related to all three of those things nowadays. I want to take a moment for some logistics really quickly. Again, the call-in number is 646-716. 9397, press 1 if you'd like to chat with me. Also, some upcoming shows on our networks. Tomorrow on the Life Coach Chat Channel, there will be a show from 12 to 1 o'clock. On Sunday, Super Soul Sunday at 8 p.m., we'll be on the Life Coach Chat Channel. And then on Monday, May 16th, the Life Coach Chat Channel at 1 p.m., Central Time will be hosting Holy Shift. How fun is that title? Super, super fun. Uh, you can join us on Facebook on the Life Coach Radio Network. We would love for you to like our Facebook page and meet all the coaches that are on air and hear about the shows that are coming, even weigh in on what you thought about the shows, ask questions, get to know the coaches better. How much fun is that? Also, to remind you, in terms of getting in touch with me, you can find me at Grounded Vision Coaching on Facebook. You can email me at Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com. So one of the things I thought might be kind of fun is for me to share with you the things I find myself saying an awful lot. My students in residence life used to call them Nikki-isms, and so uh, I thought that was fun. And... I hope this will help you get to know me better and actually maybe provide you some things to think about. One of the phrases that I came to learn and know and love about or in my PhD program was you do you. And that sounds so basic, you do you. But it's so powerful, right? Your job is to do you. It's to figure out what you want to do. It's to focus on what that looks like, what you want your life to be like. You do you. And tied with that, I used to say in the shelter, gosh, every day, at some point in every day. And I even have a spinny uh, candy container on my desk. And one of the things that it says as you spin it around is you do you. And the other thing it says is your plate is full. I used to say this to my domestic violence survivors all the time because they had they had the habit of paying a lot of attention to what everybody else was doing and creating opinions and judgments about it. And listen, we all do those things. I'm not trying to argue that is a strictly a domestic violence survivor thing to do, but I would often say, you know what, your plate is full. 
And if you have children, they're your hors d'oeuvre plate and your dessert plate. And all you have time to think about right now is or are those plates in front of you. You don't have to worry about what's on the buffet. You don't have to worry about what's on anybody else's plate. Right now, your plate is full. And lots of folks that end up coming for coaching or consulting or even counseling feel that way. They feel overwhelmed. They feel like there's a lot to do, a lot to consume, a lot to achieve, and they're not sure how to do it. And so one of the Nikki-isms, one of my personal words of wisdom and something I try to remind myself is that my plate is full, and it isn't my job to pay attention to anybody else's plate. It's my job to manage my own. I often talk with clients about what is the worst that can happen and usually follow that with the phrase plan for the worst, hope for the best, you get something in between and you're okay. This came about in my residence life days because, as I said, we managed a lot of crisis situations. And I often felt like students, again, in their still continuing to have that brain development, you know, your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed till you're, you know, young to mid-20s. And by that point, folks are already drinking. They're able to be in the military. They're away at college. Some of them are starting families. There's a lot of things happening at that time of your life. And what your prefrontal cortex does is helps you think about the consequences of your decisions. It helps you think about step one and two and two and a half and five. And so it was really challenging for a lot of college students to be able to think about the consequences of their decisions because that part of their brain is still forming, still growing, still developing. And a lot of the students I was training wanted very black and white ways to manage very gray issues. And so we would often talk through what is the absolute worst that can happen and what is the chance that that worst thing is going to happen and how do we plan for that in such a way that anything shy of the worst case scenario happening, you also have a plan for. And that seemed to really help folks. Also, I think that the worst case scenario lives in our minds and in our fears and in our hearts in this sort of dark corner of the world. You know, like the, the boogie monster under the bed when you're a kid and then you turn the light on and everything's okay. And so processing the worst-case scenario and the actual percentage of chance that that worst-case scenario is going to happen tends to shed a light on it and make it a little less concerning. So I like to do that. I like to plan for the worst and hope for the best and get something in between that I can manage. One of my favorites and one that lots of people really like is what do you have to lose? You're at no now. So when people feel themselves getting held back by making a decision, making a phone call, doing something different in their lives, I often say you're at no now. You're at no now. And so perhaps making an offer, making a pitch, trying to sell something, contacting somebody, asking for a date, whatever that thing is, if you're already at no and that person says no, <laughs> You're no worse off. You're at no now. The only place to go is up. So you'll hear me say that probably an awful lot. You've probably all heard the phrase, shoot for the moon. If you miss, you'll land among the stars. I usually add that shoot for the moon, land among the stars. It isn't such a bad place to be. So on my vision board for my earning income for 2016 is $100,000. I have no idea how I'm going to make $100,000. I've worked in higher ed and human services. I haven't come near making $100,000. But here is what I know to be true. I know that the universe provides me opportunities that I couldn't have foreseen. I believe it's possible to make $100,000 in 2016. And listen, in terms of shooting for the moon and landing among the stars, if I shoot for $100,000 and I make $75,000, am I going to complain? Heck no, because $75,000 is among the stars and still more than I've ever made. So I like that one. 
This next one, my last one, is uh, PG-13, so I apologize to my mother and my grandmother and anybody else that's listening that might be offended. But I spent a lot of years of counseling owning stuff that wasn't mine to own and thinking about what could I have said differently, what should I have said differently. I'm the common denominator in this systemic problem. And in reality, and excuse my French, it wasn't my shit. And I say that for emphasis. I say that with intentionality. I used to say to my clients all the time, I say to lots and lots of people, that's their shit, that's not your shit. That's their stuff, that's not your stuff. Listen, I'm not alleging we shouldn't own where we make mistakes and, and if we screw up, to apologize, to learn from that mistake and, and to move on. Apologies mean you don't want it to happen again. But, man, we own and carry entirely too much stuff that isn't ours to own or carry. And some other people in our lives probably need to take some personal responsibility for their own behavior, their decision-making, their choice of words, their actions. So sometimes I say, that's their stuff, that's not your stuff. We have about 15 minutes left to the show, so I wanted to share with you uh, some of my favorite books and things I'm reading right now and some of my favorite books of all time. I actually am using a lot of these books as graduation gifts, so I throw that out there to you as well. Someone's graduating or has achieved a goal. Um, maybe some of these would be helpful. I just finished reading a book called Playing Big by Tara Moore. It's written for women leaders who want to lead stronger, reach out get to new heights it was absolutely life-changing for me a very very simple read but very very powerful she talks about the voices women hear and what holds them back she talks about how we hide behind lots of different things some of the ones that struck me were that certain things have to happen in a certain order or that we just need to learn one more thing or we need to take one more class, or maybe that something needs to be perfect, needs more tweaking before we go live with it. And in reality, she says, you have to take the leap. You're not getting good feedback from the people that would be your clients, that would be your customers, that would be your friends if you don't get out there. Take the leap. And a leap isn't about making a website. It isn't about doing more research. It isn't about taking another class. It's about taking action. And so some of my leaps are this radio show and the Desire Map licensing and holding Desire Map facilitations. I would argue anything by Brene, Brene Brown is totally worth it. I love all her stuff. And uh, if you can get her an audiobook, I love to hear her read. And she's just fun and down-to-earth and relatable and thought-provoking and reflective. I just really love her. Years ago in residence life, I had a work coach, and one of the books she suggested is called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's by Marshall Goldsmith. He actually talks about how folks, achievers in particular, really lean on certain skills they've built over time. And then when those skills aren't enough, they get frustrated because they think those skills have always worked. And that's true. They have always worked. It makes sense to, to use them. But if you want to get to a new level, if you want to get to new leadership, if you want promotion, if you want to be successful at a more challenging role, you probably need some new skills. So that was a powerful book for me. The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. It's all about the law of attraction. Love that book. Super, super easy read. In terms of fiction books, anything by Jodi Picoult. I've read every single thing she's ever written. I love it. She does great character development, really, really good storytelling. She does a ton of research, so you feel like you're learning all through her books. And something or other always happens at the very, very end that you did not expect at all. And so I love everything that she does. The other two books I mentioned earlier, and they're related, is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And then he and Paul White came out with a book called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. 
if you know anything about the love languages, it's about showing love to your partner, the people in your family, in the ways that they need to feel love, to be able to know that they're being loved. The five languages of appreciation in the workplace is very, very similar. But, you know, if you're a person who likes gifts and you decide to give your whole staff gifts, but they don't receive appreciation that way, maybe their love language is words of affirmation. Then a gift is nice, but it's not going to mean as much to them, perhaps as a card or a letter or something like that. So I do lots of sessions with teams and staffs around the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. Currently, <laughs> as I said, I'm usually reading a bunch of different things, and uh, you'll appreciate the variety, perhaps, of this list. Currently, I am reading Pastrix, which is really interesting, Supercoach, 37 Ways to Build Your Coaching Practice, and the 10X Rule. So some coaching books, some a religion book. And the 10X rule is really about creating massive results by taking massive action. So those make me laugh, the variety. But that is my life. That is the way that I do the things that I do. So as I wrap up this hour, probably what you learned is that I really enjoy talking. <laughs> As I said at the beginning, I hope you'll join me on this journey. I hope you'll listen. I hope you'll share these sessions. I hope you'll invest in yourself and get some coaching, get counseling, get consultation, whatever it is you need. You're worth it. And, you know, our lives are short, and we often spend them focused on everybody else. And I love to get my nails done. I love to do my makeup. I love to get my hair cut. Those things don't change the rest of my life. But education and learning and coaching and intellectual stimulation, thought-provoking conversations, and really in-depth vulnerable friendships, having mentors, having coaches, having somebody really be honest with you, those are the things that change your life. And education is the one thing no one, no one can ever take away from you. You can go bankrupt. You can have a car accident. You can lose parts of your health or wellness. Your education can never be taken away from you. The information you collect can never be taken away from you. So truly invest in yourself. I will be back on air Thursday, May 26th at 10 a.m., Thursday, May 26th at 10 a.m., right here on the Life Coach Radio Network. I hope you'll join me. Hopefully we'll have some folks call in by that point. Again, if you want to email me, it's Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at groundedvisioncoaching.com, Nikki at groundedvisioncoaching.com, and you can find me on Facebook at Grounded Vision Coaching. Until I talk to you again, on the 26th, be well, enjoy yourself, find something fun to read, invest in yourself, be grateful for the things around you, and be well. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>